Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back into the call room. It's episode 216, and I'm your host, David Griffiths. Hoping that you've been enjoying some great craft beers out there. There's some really fun things on the market. And obviously, supporting your local craft breweries and craft beer bars uh, wherever you can. Obviously, a tricky time for the industry. We've been talking about that a bit lately. Seems particularly topical at the moment uh, with news about hawkers, amongst other breweries that we're good friends with. Um, and look, a big shout out to Maz again for being so generous with his time earlier this year. Uh, go back and check out the archives if you haven't already to get three great interviews with uh, with Maz from Hawkers, really detailing where he thinks the industry is up to uh, and where Hawkers is up to. That's obviously something there's been a lot of news about lately. Today, lots of good fun. We're going to be catching up with the team from Carbon Cellars. Uh, they always have heaps of things going on, but we are getting ready for the Black Box 2024, uh, genuinely one of the highlights of my year. Great to be doing that again. Great to be doing the Hair of the Dog breakfast at Beer Deluxe again. Two of the best things that I was involved in last year and just can't wait to relive them. You'll hear more about that from the team as well as all of the bits and pieces they've got on going out at Carbon. Uh, and then it's over to Nubulum Distillery, uh, a brand new distillery in Kensington. Yes, I said that kind of sentence about a week or two ago when we were talking to Bakery Hill Distillery. There are actually two distilleries popping up in Kensington at the moment and uh, a really fun story. They're doing some different stuff there down at Nubulum and uh, I very much enjoyed my evening down there. I am not normally a cocktail drinker. I even indulged in a cocktail, as did the people I was with, and uh, they were all delicious. And look, let's just set the table a little bit for what's coming up in coming weeks. Uh, at, as I record, it's getting towards the end of February 2024, and we have three live Zoom shows in the next three Thursday nights. We're going to be talking to Hard Road Brewing. Uh, I've been out there a couple of times lately for better or worse. Uh, great experience to be out there. Travelling out there from Kensington was a bit of a pain, but I uh, strongly suggest you get on board, grab the beers for the Hard Road session from our online store, and that way you can join us live in the Zoom room, or you can listen to the podcast version later on and sip the beers while you listen to them being explained. Uh, then, after Hard Road, the following Thursday, we're going to have the Zythologist on. Really looking forward to them. Brewed by Science is their motto, and some really fun discussions to have with them about the whole process they're involved in not just the brewery, but around university education and a whole lot of other things, that it's going to be a fascinating chat. Uh, and then one of the absolute stalwarts, one of the absolute icons of the Melbourne craft beer scene, Tom Delmont from Fixation, is going to be on the first Thursday of March. So, look, that's what we're all about here. We'd love to have you join us live in the Zoom room, 6.30 on a Thursday night. You can get the details from our Facebook page, that's a good reminder to me to say, check out our Facebook, check out our Instagram and make sure you're following them. That way you can see things like the kinds of photos that we take when we go out to visit these places. If you're following us on YouTube, you can see the videos that we do, just like the little video that Warren Wu and I did out at Newbulum. Look, let's not waste any more time. Let's kick off with a conversation with Carwin and then get ready for a chat about all things Rakia and so forth with Newbulum. <laughs> Well, this afternoon I'm out at 
Carwin Sellers, joined by many of the friends that we know very much from previous episodes of The Cool Room and uh, in the room this afternoon. What a great way to be spending a Friday afternoon. I have two Bens and a Tito. Welcome, gentlemen. Ben number one, give us a little bit of an idea about what we're sipping and, uh, and who we're joined by in the room today. Can you introduce? I'll leave it up to you whether you want to introduce Ben or Tito for us. Hey, how are you going? Uh, so we're having a little Sailor's Grave uh, stout, so it's poured for the first time here and it's the first time I've tried it, it's drinking beautifully. We've got Tito in the room and I'll pass you along. No, no, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to hear from you about Tito. That's what, so for people who've never heard Tito on the show before, Ben, so, give, us a, give us a Tito memory for us. So Tito is our resident beer expert. He knows more than all of us put together and it is amazing to watch him and watch him grow over the last few years from when he started as a casual in the bar um, and now runs all our social media and reminds Ben and I about BJCP beer styles, which is always fun. So we have some great <laughs> arguments. Um, and he's done, done an amazing job with us over the last, I actually don't remember how many years now. Three, three years? And you mean grown as a human being, grown as an employee, not sort of grown physically because he drinks dessert stouts at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon? No, no, grown as an employee and a human and a bit of both. And uh, also, the longer he's been here, the uh, less it's... Uh, He's timid about telling us exactly what he thinks about the beers we're selling. <laughs> well, that's really important. That's exactly, I imagine that's exactly why you employ him. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to give Tito the right of reply. No, actually, I'm going to get Tito to introduce our second Ben. Let's go around the room in that way. So that was Ben Carwin, but here's Tito. Now, who else can we meet in the room this afternoon? Uh, well, here to my right is uh, Ben Duval. Uh, little Ben, as we know him, or, or Benny. Um, He's not looking so happy about that. <laughs> well, uh, when you have so many bands as we usually have in this company, you start creating a nickname for every single one of them. Um, but now Benny uh, was the, one of the first ones that I probably interacted here uh, at Carwin and gave me the opportunity to not only take a bigger role uh, within the bar regarding beer, but to eventually move away from the bar and get involved with um, social media and everything. Um, he's, he's the general manager and obviously every beer rep in Australia probably knows him or has tried to reach out to him. <laughs> too, I thought that was all going really nicely for a moment there, but I'm glad we got that little bit on in the end. And, um, well, Benny, let's hear from you. I'm going to call you Benny for the rest of the day now just to see if I can yeah, annoy you with it. What's left and, um, of my reputation? Uh, yes, yeah. the beer reps, he does ignore you. <laughs> Careful, I'll give them your phone number. I, I yeah. can... <laughs> I can only imagine what your email inbox must look like at about you know ten thirty on a Monday well, morning. Given what mine full. looks like, I've just come back from two months off, so it's very full, even fuller than normal. <laughs> Introduce <laughs> Big Ben for us. Uh, well, the man it needs no introduction. I mean, okay, is, well is, that's been a great show. Thanks for coming <laughs> along. His name's on the building. Um, has built up quite the legacy over the past. How many years? 17? Like Something like that. <laughs> ben is, uh, he's, you know, more than just a figurehead. He's the ideas man, really. More than and just a figurehead. I mean, that's what, yeah. we, that's what we put on a T-shirt for you, brother. <laughs> more than just a figurehead. Um, so 90% of Ben's ideas are actually crap, and I tell him <laughs> that. But 10% are brilliant. So it's just filtering through, filtering through. That's what we do most of the week. Yeah. I have no argument with that. <laughs> now, speaking of ideas, 
you guys have so many ideas. You've got so many events. That's really what we're just checking in to talk about today. We're all here talking. Well, are we going to talk about what we're talking about this afternoon? Do you think we're allowed to actually I, mention? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this, will be, this will be the most impenetrable bit of a podcast that we've ever put out. We're all, uh, we're all so gathered in this room upstairs for a reason. And we're drinking dark beer, if that helps yeah. anyone. Yeah. It's a very dark subject. We've been photographed around a barrel. We're getting dark here. <laughs> getting warmer. Yeah. <laughs> we're here because Black Box 2024 is going to happen. People should put that Abs- in their diaries. It's- Absolutely. Yeah. So we're just sort of meeting to finalise the brewery list today. Many of the beers, of course, are already in barrel and already, um, already conceived. But um, no, it's going to be very exciting box this year. Can't can't bloody wait to announce it. Last year was absolutely epic. If you've uh, if you've only joined the podcast family recently, go back and check out the archives. There are four episodes back there where we talked to the twelve brewers who were involved in the black box last year. So we're going to be doing the same thing again this year. We're not going to talk about what breweries are in this year's uh, pack, obviously, but. Do you guys have any particular happy memories of last year's Black Box? Are there beers in there that were real standouts for you? Oh, yes, absolutely. There were um, quite a few beers that... Uh, this is dangerously like a wedding speech. That if you, now, yeah. if you no, don't no, mention exactly. all 12... Like, <laughs> um, we, we have some very interesting styles. Obviously, we, we had some barrel-age uh, pastry styles, which are really heavy and interesting, and probably some of the most exciting things that... Uh, people who are into craft beer, huh? but we saw some things like the Schweizenbock by uh, King River, basically a made-up style it, it, uh, very for much the box. <laughs> um, also a, a double barrel HESB, which was also very interesting just to see styles that are like very traditional but taken to the 21st century as well. Shout out to the Three Ravens uh, Barrel-aged barley wine that was exceptional. It was really magnificent, incredible. Yeah. So that gives you a bit of a feel, friends, as to uh, what might be sort of the styles of things that will be in this year. And um, gee, this is my idea of a good Friday afternoon, sitting around enjoying some great beers, but talking about some truly amazing things. People are people want to get that into their diary. It'll be we'll be sipping it together in that first couple of weeks of July. And um, yeah, stay tuned for teasers. Stay tuned for teasers. Uh, Tito, I think, is going to be the chief teaser this year. So uh, even if he doesn't realise it yet, he's going to be the one that we're sending out on the road. Tito the teaser. Yeah, absolutely. I guess so. I'm just finding out about this uh, now. So I guess I'll accept it. Uh, well, now it's official, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly right. But look, guys, you've got so many other events on. It feels like there's basically nary a week where there's not something happening at Carwin. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, you will have enjoyed Hawker's ninth birthday together. Um, you guys have a long association with Hawker's. What are you looking forward to about the event tomorrow? And um, is Maz actually coming? Well, Allegedly. <laughs> well, we need to get through today's event first with launching Hudson Valley Brewing from, from New York, one of my personal favourite, well, breweries, really. We visited in, in 2019 and they're famous for their sour IPAs and it's a bit of a divisive style, but they do it better than anyone else and they're just delicious, well-balanced beers. 
But I guess we can get back to talking about Maz. No, no, and, I'm, and looking, I'm looking forward no. to going downstairs <laughs> and tasting them myself. You've got me onto the, uh, yeah. onto the pastry stout nice and early because that's what we needed for the photo shoot. Yeah, yeah. But then I'm going back down to have uh, sour IPA. So that's, that's oh. sort of a, that's a direction that I don't normally go in in terms of drinks. Well, exactly. But um, no, in terms of hawkers, I mean, we've got such a history with those guys. We poured the first keg to come off the packaging line nine years ago. Ben went and got it himself. Before they could pour a keg at their, at their own brewery. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we've done every th- something probably every year for the birthday. Um, they've been involved in so many of our projects and events and packs and whatnot that, yeah, we're kind of sick of them. But, uh, you know, Maz came knocking again, and how could you say no he's to the great persu- man? He's a very yeah. persuasive man. He is. He's a very he persuasive is. He man. He has his own, shall we call it, charm about him. <laughs> Are there any beers on the lineup for tomorrow that you're really looking forward to? Yeah, I'm particularly excited about seeing the original IPA back on, uh, on our shelves and also on tap. Um, for me personally, the Hawker's IPA... Um, when I came to Australia in 2016, became immediately my favorite beer. Mm-hmm. And once um, the, the the logo and everything, and the beers changed, and the core range, and as the time and the moves, striped cans yeah. that, we, that Maz go back and check <laughs> well, out. I mean, go back and check out Maz on the <laughs> podcast earlier this year to hear about <laughs> the pinstriping on the cans. But it's it's just exciting to try again one of those old school IPAs that are, are way maltier, have a very resin, resinous backbone, and I don't know, it just has a lot of attitude and it really brings back like some memories. So pretty excited about that. It should be an awesome day out here tomorrow. I think you're going to have the absolute perfect weather for it. Um, You've then got more or less a week after that. It's going to be local beer day. And um, I'm looking forward to figuring out which one of you guys is going to be talking about it. Big Ben, I'm almost tempted to put you on the spot because I think ben, you're... The, I did think you organise this one? Uh, I had very little to do with this one. Uh, but no, it's going to be a great event for local beer day, especially the state of the industry at the moment. You know, we've got 10 breweries from within five kilometres of us. Um, so if, if COVID suddenly was reintroduced, if we went back into lockdown mode, you still would have been able to go down and roll them back to the, back to the exactly. venue. Exactly. So, no, it's going to be a great day. You know, it's really good for Crafty's done it again and it's, it's supporting all your local breweries. And it's pretty amazing when you stop and think about it. Talk about, you know, you being in the industry in this place for 17 years. There wouldn't have been 10 breweries within five kilometres 17 years ago. I reckon there was one. Yeah, the, Three Ravens, I think it's the only one I can think of that would have been that close. I reckon that's about right. Yep. So it's just amazing. Wow. You know, for people coming yeah, from <laughs> yeah, people coming from interstate, we often sort of, you know, when we talk to the guys who are all up in Marrickville and places like that, you know, Sydney sort of has these places where you can sort of walk around. But Melbourne's got now a few suburbs like that where you can wander around, find great bars and great, great breweries. Yeah. Who, who are the ten? Uh, or who are five of the ten? Let's be, let's be fair. Well... I mean, you, you probably guess some of the the more obvious and regular um, breweries. I get a lot of a lot of tap play at Carwin, your your Hawkers and your and your Ravens. But we've got some uh, some smaller breweries involved. A few from Brunswick, which uh, Gales is one, for example, that we've never poured before. And we've heard I was unaware of their existence until I saw a poster of their dog. Deals on Friday afternoons yeah. or something. That was that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very excited to pour beer from them. I've heard great things. Tito's tried their beer. 
uh, yeah, I've been on a bit of a puff crawl or beer crawl uh, around Brunswick in the past, going through co-conspirators, which uh, we're really good friends with yep. as well, and going through Alchemy and Gales, which are uh, pretty close to each other, yep. going through Inner North and Foreigner, which um, have Ooh, some... They check pills now, baby. Yeah. I, I love their beers, and yet for me, they still remind me of 1980s sort of, you know, soft rock. So there's something, yeah, you know, in there. Too. Exactly. It's, it's a very dated reference no. that shows you how old I am. And it's, a, it's also a, a great little, like, a venue that they have uh, through a roller door in a little, like, um, basically, I don't know, factory-like site. Um, it's a small operation, but it's such a nice uh, venue, and they always make you feel very welcome. So we're trying to get back to our very local community. That's why we wanted to keep it within 5Ks and showcase a few breweries that we never really see on our taps. So, so that's know. Saturday the 24th Fourth. of exactly. February, yeah. he said, making sure that his brain yeah. was working. Exactly. So it's uh, 10 beers from these 10 breweries, and we're going to be selling uh, $10 pints all day um, for, uh, for these 10 beers. That's a pretty amazing deal, yeah, given the kind of beers we're like, going to be talking about. Um, Pre-2020 prices, basically. <laughs> um, look, that's a magnificent uh, afternoon. I strongly encourage people to come down and be part of that. And, of course, just making sure that you're following the Carwin socials because, well, as I say, it feels like every week there seems to be something new and different on. So really looking forward to, uh, to all the events you've got coming up. Really looking forward to the black box. I think it's time to turn the recording off and get back to plotting and scheming. Here we are, we're live on location out at Newbillum Distilling in Kensington. Uh, second show that we've done out in Kensington on the road lately. Go back and check our archives for the Bakery Hill chat. But it's Thursday afternoon, I'm sitting here with Will, and uh, we've got a delicious looking uh, gin and tonic in front of us. Will, well, first of all, Tell us, the, tell us where we are physically. Introduce Kensington to people who might be listening from interstate and overseas. Why, why are we here in Kensington? Well, we're in a city, Kensington. So people think you have to come to some of these like, uh, nice suburbs like Richmond or North Melbourne. But Kensington is right near the city and it's got an up-and-coming social scene. We're one of two distilleries here and there's two breweries here as well. So we're brand new, three weeks old, on Thompson Street, just opposite the new Assemble building near Rumble Coffee if you like good coffee. Oh, and that's right, and shout out to our friends from Rumble yep. Coffee yep. who are long-time listeners and long-time helpers out uh, here. Changing face of Kensington, we can see out the door here what mm -hmm. used to be factories over the road, big factories, is now, what, an eight or nine-storey uh, apartment block going up. You guys, I think, have chosen exactly the right time to be taking on this adventure. Exactly, yeah. We, we opened here as a distillery in 2020, uh, and then we thought we would just do industrial operations, and then when we saw the plans for that building, we were like, no, we need to have a bar because we uh, we need to showcase our spirits and we also want all the neighbours to come in and have a, have a drink. So, We're going to talk more about what's in our glasses in a minute. We're going to talk more about the story that uh, that's the distillery's been on. But tell us your story. How is it that you end up to be here making delicious gins and assorted other spirits as well, which we'll get to? Um, where did this journey start for you? Oh, this journey started for me back in the late 90s. So I, I came to Melbourne from Queensland and uh, I moved into the western suburbs of Melbourne and all of my friends were from Central Europe to some extent. And they introduced me to these spirits that they were making in their backyards. I had never heard of any of them before. And so the first drinks that I ever drank, despite being a Queenslander, it wasn't rum, it was, <laughs> it was rakia or grappa yep. or uh, 
Eau de Vie or Aguardiente, which are all these like backyard spirits that Europeans love to make with the leftover fruit. Some of them delicious, some of them potent, some of them... Uh... <laughs> I would say all of them potent. <laughs> the deliciousness is what varies by, this by is, bottle. This is true. Yeah. Um, so that, that introduced me to something different and I fell, in, I fell in love with it back then. But the people as well, because every time somebody gives you a bottle, they tell you about the year they made it and what the fruit was from and what the stories were in that community for that period of time. So even though that was a long time ago, that was the seeds of falling in love with this type of culture and this type of drink as well. And about, uh, about six or seven years ago, I was uh, living in a house with a big backyard with a whole bunch of peach trees. And those peach trees lost their minds and uh, I ended up with a lot of them. And I'm like, what am I gonna do with these peach trees? These peaches, sorry. And uh, I thought back to that time, I'm like, I can do this. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> eight years later, we're now doing it commercially. <laughs> Ex explain the process for those of us, yeah, most of our listeners are knowledgeable at how the brewing process works. Yep. But in terms of the peaches and so forth, is it literally just sort of using them as the sugar base? That's or? exactly right. Yep, we use them as the sugar and the nutrient base for the yeast. So we, we, we get the fruit delivered here. Um, we spend... Uh, probably 24 hours juicing or boiling the fruit, depending on the type of fruit. And then we fill up these vats that you can see behind me and, uh, and then ferment that into what I call a cider. It's not really a product that's on the market, but they're delicious. Yep, I can give you a taste later on if you like. Yeah, no, that, sound, got, that sounds like fun. Right now we've got 100 litres of plum juice and 300 litres of blueberry juice all fermenting right now. And how much of the character does that lead through? Obviously then it goes through a distillation process. In my mind, that sort of means that we lose some of those volatiles and so forth, but am I wrong? Oh, yeah, well, well, you're not wrong, but the, the job of making a good rack here is bringing just a hint of that fruit back into the end product. So um, for those in the distillation world, that's, that's the tails end of the distillation period. And the, the skill there is like getting the nice good alcohols out and then getting those fruit oils just at the tail end of the distillation, blending them back in and then just having a hint of the fruit. Um, we find that uh, with our rack is you can get a hint of it, but if you put in a cocktail, you immediately get a lot more of the fruit flavour coming out. Yeah, right. And is this just trial and error for you, or you know, did you go away to Rakia School? How is it that you? Uh, how is it that you get the skill set to do this well, kind of thing? Well, trial and error, for, trial and error for many years, which didn't uh, do as well for me as I would have liked. Yeah. Um, don't ask any of my friends what they drank that I made more than three years ago. They may not remember anyway. <laughs> but... Correct. Um, but then we, um, we met some friends of ours who live in Maribyrnong, um, and they're from the Ukraine. And their grandmother uh, sat me down and um, told me through a translator that I was doing it all wrong. And she showed <laughs> me the peach um, schnapps that she'd been making for the last probably 10 years yeah. there. And um, really that got me thinking, oh, that's a different flavor than what I'm making. Um, and then I did a tour of Europe Two, excuse me, two years ago. So this sounds like the bit that was necessary. You, yep. uh, you, you told the federal treasurer that this was a, a tax necessity. You wrote the whole <laughs> lot off. I wish, I wish I thought of that, but no, I did not. <laughs> I also spent a lot of time on holidays, but I went and found small towns and literally got old people, uh, the, the, the generation before people my age, to tell me about the drinks and why they make them and how they make them. Yep. And so we don't always make them to taste the same, because to your point earlier, some of it's rocket fuel, um, but we make them to taste like the people who remember them think they taste like. And that's the, that's the big key for us. We've got plenty of people come here and go, oh, I haven't had this since I was you know, a teenager. My dad or my granddad made it. Now they've passed away and they'll taste our drink and it'll bring those memories back. And that's what we're trying to do. And when you were over there, well, which countries did you go to and what kinds of fruits and so forth were they using? Was it sort of... It's very country specific. Yeah. So uh, Germany is obviously fav uh, famous for the schnapps, which is more the stone fruit type of, type of stuff. 
Um, you go through the Balkans, there's a lot of pear raki, which mm. is why we've done pear as our first. And uh, plums are another famous one. Uh, cherries, yeah, anything with a high sugar content, really, and a large harvest. A very because they're very seasonal as well. That all makes perfect sense. And uh, well, we're here in the Australian summer, I can only imagine that every day must be uh, a delight to sort of go out and pick what you're going to be working with. Um, Absolutely. We're, we're spoilt for choice here, really. Where do you source your fruit from? Is it directly from orchards or do you just go down to the markets? How does yeah, it... so we've been getting the first batches through Footscray Markets. Yep. Um, all their blueberries come from one farm, which is Drum Drum in the morning. So all their blueberries come to us. Um, and then as, a, as we, well, I mean, we've only just opened, but year on, year on, we'll do that seasonally. We'll create them the, the blueberry rakia and then blueberry brandy eventually after we age it. And then, uh, yeah, we're still seeking farms to give us the, the local produce because it's very important to us to be local. So when, even though we're getting it from the markets, we still do question where it might be coming from. But the goal is here to have a seasonal produce that we get seasonally from Victorian farmers. And how many different spirits have we got in the room with us today? Right now we've got... This is the event you're doing it right next to the, to the shelf. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Stored. I'm looking over his shoulder <laughs> to, to count the bottles. <laughs> so we've got seven spirits here at the moment. Um, and uh, we, obviously the, the pear arc, which we've just talked about. We've got a product here that we call lemon vodka. It's not. If you go to Italy and somebody serves you, and particularly if it's an 80-year-old woman who serves you lemoncello, this is what you're going to get. Yeah, right. We don't call it lemoncello because we don't want people to feel like they're going to get that low alcohol, high sugar product yep. that other people call lemoncello in this country. Absolutely. So, if we go to Dan Murphy's and pick a lemoncello off exactly the right. shelf. Yeah, that's exactly what we're competing against naming-wise. Yep. So we've got a little thing on the side where we talk about why we don't call lemoncello, so we call it lemon vodka, but it, it's Italian lemoncello. We also have two coffee vodkas, which we make from the coffee over at Rumble. Yeah, shout um, out to Rumble. Yep, <laughs> again. <laughs> and then uh, rum, which is our second thing. We do rakia yep. and rum. Uh, so we've released one rum so far, which is a, a light Caribbean rum. And all those barrels you can see over there are all full of rum. And uh, how long before they start to emerge out of the barrel? Barrel one's out. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So is it a long process in the barrel or is it... Normally, re- normally several years, yep. but this particular distillate Excuse me, I changed it from a, it was in It was in a French oak a barrel that was used for fortified wine, and one year in I changed it to a American oak, which mm-hmm. is with a light toast, and that's a really vanilla and delicious. So we were just like, it's already delicious. Let's just put that in bottles. Um, and then barrel two will be solely French oak, and that's much more notes of cherry and notes of uh, kind of uh, gr- uh, grape in the background. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Well, I feel like that, that sort of hints at a little bit of the story here that the doors have been open here in Thompson Street for three weeks, mm-hmm. but actually the process behind getting everything ready, starting to do the distillation and so forth, yep. has been going on for much longer, hasn't it? When did, when did all of that start? Well, the, the, the joke was bandied around in 2019, and then as we're all aware, something catastrophic happened in 2020, <laughs> and we suddenly had a lot of spare time on our hands. And so... Um, Catherine, who's one of the business owners, she said to me, why don't we just do this for real? And she goes, well, I'll start the business and you can do the distillation, which you're currently just doing as a hobby. And um, so, yeah, that, that joke aside, <laughs> we, um, that's how we got to today. So, yeah, 2020 was the starting to take it seriously. And it's taken a while. Obviously, COVID has intervened with all sorts mm-hmm. of things. But the venue itself took a fair while to sort of get off the ground. Yeah, March last year, we decided to uh, turn the front of our warehouse into a bar. Um, I say we, Catherine decided. And then uh, we 
very quickly realized that we were short a third person in the business. And that person was somebody that could do all of the, um, the bureaucratic part of operating a distillery and bar. And so that's when Rupert came on board. And Rupert's the other owner. And uh, I know Rupert from our time together in a Defence Force. And um, so he came on board and he really enabled us to get open, to be honest. Yep. But even then, even in March when we started taking it seriously, the, the, uh, the level of oversight in this country towards alcohol um, is, is high, as you're very aware. I am very aware. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's how long it took us. So from March, took us seriously and we opened the doors at the start of January this year. Yeah, right. And so give us a bit of a feel for the aesthetic. You know, you and I can see it because we're looking around. <laughs> but what sort of underpins what people are going to experience when they, when they come down here and, and try it? Well, the, the, the description that we give to people is we want it to look like your, your grandmother's lounge room and your grandfather's garage, particularly if you're from the western suburbs. <laughs> and those, those people who know what I'm talking about know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, if that doesn't make any sense to you, the other, the other terms we'd bandy about would be a 1920s speakeasy combined with a 1950s lounge room. So Absolutely. it's brick walls, it's chairs and tables, uh, it's a, um, a bartender serving you really good quality drinks and you just relaxing. And give us the, what was it actually like to be down here on the day that the roller door went up for the first time uh, and people actually started to come in? Unbel it? Unbelievable. We, we had a gentleman that we, we hadn't met before um, who we didn't know was looking forward to his opening. He was there five minutes before we opened, <laughs> standing at the front, and we put the door up, and he came in and ordered almost one of everything that we had. And serving a drink that you've made, so we make the spirits here, and then we make the cocktails are all designed by Catherine. Yep. And so actually doing that process and then serving it to somebody was exhilarating. I can't, I can't see any, anything else. Yeah, to, to see your creation being enjoyed by somebody. Absolutely, it's the magic bit of Hospo. We, uh, yep. we often focus on the, the tricky bits and the, the downsides of the industry, but the, the upside is absolutely massive when you actually mm -hmm. get to be hospitable, when you get to see someone enjoying yep. the work that you do. Yep. Um, I guess that's the kind of thing that makes you get up early in the morning and come down and do the hard work of lugging things around, heating things up, cooking stuff. <laughs> um, yes. Because I imagine that's the real work behind it all. That's exactly right, yeah. It's been some long days to get to where we are now. Uh, but it, that's absolutely the right thing. And also, a little bit special for us is people who don't know what we make, or they don't understand our products, and then we introduce them, like, wow, these are not what I thought, or they actually, we like them. And um, day one, uh, day one that we opened, we sold out a Lemoncello. Day two that we opened, we sold out a Pierracchio. Yeah, that is, a, as my, we used to say, when I had a business that used to sell out of uh, cheese curds, a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what does the future look like? Are you going to have to expand the production side of things? Yes. How will all of that fit together? Uh, the, the short answer is, honestly, we just don't know. Um, we're, um, the three of us, despite having some history in HOSPO, we don't have um, a big history in, in running this type of business. And so... While that can bring a challenge, it also brings innovation. And so, yeah, we're just looking forward to finding people who like our spirits and then determining how we can provide it and provide it seasonally. Because not only is all our fruit products seasonal, our rum is per barrel release as well. So once a barrel is emptied, we don't have that rum anymore. Yep. And so, yeah, just we, we want to maintain that tradition, but sorting out how that works in the wider market is something we haven't solved yet. And how important is it? Look, obviously, you've chosen Kensington for a reason, as a not just a Kensington resident, but a councillor for the city of <laughs> Melbourne. I'm thrilled to see these sorts of things coming up. How important is Kensington to you, and how important is working with the other hospo venues in the area? Very, very important. It's the 
it's the, the real epitome of what I felt when I came from rural Queensland to Melbourne in the 90s. It's that community vibe, it's that feeling of we're proud of where we live and all of the, uh, when we go and talk to other people about where we live, everybody's like, oh, well, I'll help you with this or I'll help you with that. And not a single business that we've dealt with in Kensington has, has had a negative impact at all. Um, you know, we, we sell bonehead beers here. Yes, I've chatted to those guys. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, we go, the, the, the local bowls club puts our gin across the bar and they're all the things that we enjoy about being part of the suburb. And the, the, it doesn't really matter where our larger story goes from now, we consider this success solely because of the reaction we've received to the people already. It wouldn't be a cool room episode without some sort of reference about the Bowls Club, so I'm glad you managed to work that in rather than <laughs> me having you. to say that, it was, that it's on the way. Um, and look, I've got to ask a bonehead-related question. Mm -hmm. I think the, one of the very first bonehead beers I ever had was a, a prickly pear beer. Yes. Any chance of a, a sort of a unity ticket there with a prickly pear beer teaming up with a, a prickly pear rakia, if that's the right I way? Gen I genuinely want to do this because it's, uh, for those of the, those, those, those of you in the know, we all know that tequila is made from a type of cactus, and I would love to make a spirit from a prickly pear, but uh, it's not happening anytime soon, and you'll probably all hear about me um, cursing <laughs> about it, because what I've been told while I try and get it done. <laughs> I, I think it is very much a... Uh, I, I haven't actually seen Bonehead's prickly pear beer for a while, which yep. might also be uh, yep. educational on one front. Um, we're, I'm sure, going to come down and do a little cool room tour at some stage. Mm -hmm. uh, bring all of the listeners along. We're going to go to Bakery Hill. We'll drop into Rumble Coffee. We'll go to Bonehead. We'll go to Henry Street. Uh, really encourage people to come down in the meantime. Can you just remind us, well, first of all, where you are physically, where the socials are if people want to follow along the story. And um, I presume that we can buy you delicious uh, spirits online as well. All of that is true. So we're at 22 Thompson Street in Kensington. We're currently open Wednesdays through Fridays in the evenings. Uh, in March, we'll open weekends as well. Uh, we're just uh, staggering that opening times. Uh, you can buy stuff online. We're on socials at newbillum.distilling and newbillum is spelled N-U-B-I-L-U-M. That's exactly right. You, you almost said that without looking, so it was a... <laughs> and, and if you're wondering, that's uh, Latin for cloudy. You know, that was absolutely the first question I was going to ask, and then I distracted myself very early on. So, um, cloudy in the sense of the spirits you're distilling, or cloudy in terms of the uh, the outlook for the industry? Probably just cloudy in terms of the outlook for people's lives. I mean, as you can see, like we, we're very strong on the life isn't clear thing, but to be honest, when we first started doing the peaches and stone fruit, we were making some very cloudy uh, ferments, and so hence the hence the, the seat the search for a name that, that helped us communicate that. Fantastic. Look, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for the hospitality. I'm looking forward to turning the recording off and sitting back and enjoying a cocktail or two with a few of the Cool Room family who, I was told, weren't allowed to turn up until four o'clock just to be on the safe <laughs> side. No worries. That's great. Thanks for having me on.